The Essence of Tea, Episode 35. Welcome. You are listening to the Essence of Tea podcast, where we share about the world of tea with you. From tea tastings to tea history and culture to tea education, health, and wellness, the Essence of Tea is your tea companion through your personal transformation and growth. I'm your host, Jenny Jie. Now let's get started. Hey everyone, welcome to the Essence of Tea podcast, your podcast for all things tea. And today we have a special guest, Andrea from Maui Tea Farm. Hi, Andrea. Aloha. Thank you, Jenny. And hi, everyone. Thank you for um, your interest in learning about our Maui Tea Farm, our Maui-grown Haleakala Black and Mamaki Teas. Um, so I'll just get started telling a little bit about our farm and what got us interested in growing tea in the first place. Um, so we live on the island of Maui. And um, for those of you who are, are not familiar with the Hawaiian Islands, um, we're actually uh, the second most populated island in the Hawaiian island chain. Um, and Maui, uh, it's actually formed by two um, sets of active uh, volcano um, hotspots, if you will. So where you see this picture right now, we're, we're, uh, our farm is located on the east side of Maui Island um, on the dormant volcano of Haleakala. And as you're looking out towards West Maui, um, that's actually, uh, they were almost two distinct islands at one point um, with the valley area only geologically recently coming into um, above sea level uh, status. And um, where we are on the east side of Maui is um, a very old, rich agricultural area in terms of uh, Hawaiian agricultural history. And um, we're located in an area that's between wet and dry zones, um, but we're high elevation. And so one of the, um, I know one of the questions that Jenny had posed to me when we first started chatting was, what got you guys interested in tea in the first place? And when, why would you start doing this? Because um, I think some people are familiar with tea on the big island of Hawaii, which is the island to our south. But not too many people um, are aware that tea is also able to be grown here on Maui. And uh, my husband, my business partner, Alex and I, were always very interested in um, tea, drinking, tea culture. We spent time in the Northeast, um, actually specifically in the city of Montreal, where we got to visit the company Camellia Sinensis and, uh, and taste tea and enjoy being in a tea cafe culture. So when, um, when we thought about what to grow here at our home on Maui, uh, we were looking for what is suited to a high elevation climate, what would do well with um, rather cold temperatures for Hawaii. It gets down into the low 40 degree Fahrenheit range. Um, and what's something that's unique to the island that grows well um, with other plants that are um, native or uh, um, endemic to the islands? And, um, and what's a cool, you know, crop that has a lot of cultural and, um, and social impacts to it too? Because uh, as you guys know, tea uh, has such a long history. It's the second most consumed beverage to water in the world. Um, so it's really... Uh, a, a method of connecting people around agriculture who also share in the affinity for um, tea culture and gathering as well. Um, we, <laughs> to, 
So we're, we're an army of two. <laughs> we started doing this in, I want to say 2014. And uh, we started just the two of us with a crazy nursery of tea plants, um, which we received through a USDA uh, grant program. And uh, in time, we were able to transplant uh, several hundred seedlings into the ground. Um, these seedlings originally came from parent plants on the big island of Hawaii um, and purportedly have genetic roots that tie back to Darjeeling. Uh, so immediately we were thinking we could probably make a nice uh, red or black tea from it. And um, so the in my Zoom background, you'll see there are some uh, rows that are here. This photo is about three years old, but this is the oldest part of our um, original tea garden. And uh, on the other side of my Zoom filter, you'll actually see a native Hawaiian plant called mamaki, which um, is a tizan. And it is uh, very well known to native Hawaiian people. Some people may or may not be familiar with mamaki um, outside of Hawaii, but it was traditionally used in uh, native Hawaiian medicine. La'au lapa'au uh, is the terminology. And, uh, and oh, that's a great shot of, <laughs> of the size of a young mamaki leaf. And of course, this is a completely different species uh, to Camellia sinensis. Uh, this varietal of mamaki, it grows really well in high elevation as well. And um, it allows us to feature uh, an endemic plant that um, also has its own unique tea culture as well. So we started this in 2014. We kept chipping away at our own property, um, starting to sell wholesale to some uh, local tea buyers in the state. We in conjunction have um, a separate retail brand called Pono Infusions, which we started about 10 years ago. And um, that company, Pono, uh, the word Pono means to do what is right or just in the Hawaiian language. So we were creating blends and mixing blends of ingredients sourced around the world um, before we started growing tea. And so uh, part of what we're doing with some of the ingredients on our farm is incorporating them into our Pono Infusions blends. Um, and our Mamaki tea, the tea Zen, is actually one of the four Pono Infusions products we currently feature on our website. Uh, so as we started to sell a little bit more to hotels and restaurants, doing a little bit of e-commerce, uh, thinking, okay, we're, you know, we're a growing tea company. Uh, you know, spring 2020 came around and everyone knows what happened then. So uh, things really changed for us because we uh, lost a lot of our existing hotel and restaurant sales with the decline in tourism. But we also had an opportunity to um, look and see, well, as things have quieted down and as we have a space to think about where we want to take the farm once this is all um, resolved, if you will, or moving forward, um, we had the opportunity to take over um, a much larger property with existing tea, mamaki, um, and, and actually several other uh, plant, uh, fruit and vegetable varieties um, to be able to open up um, a tourist friendly site because our property, though it's beautiful, is our home and it's very steep. For those of you that have traveled to uh, Japan or China or Taiwan, it's not uncommon for tea to be grown on like super steep slopes and hillsides that are not, uh, they're not walking friendly to say the least. And so that's kind of how 
our little garden is set up at our house. And um, so we expanded to a new site that is visitor friendly where there happened to actually be existing Camellia sinensis varietals. Um, and that way we can welcome people and uh, share our tea project here with, uh, with so many more individuals because uh, it is such a cool thing to, to share with others ultimately. So Andrea, how did you get like, how did you start? Like, I don't think people realize that you have won international awards with like, like just being a fan of tea, starting to drink tea. And they're like, oh, let's. I, and also, if we could back up, what do you and your husband actually do for a living? Because this is not what you do full time. I don't think people understand like the amount of work you two do. Like, yeah. So let's back up to like what you actually do for a full time living. And then how did you get to have your like teas world renowned, essentially. Oh my gosh. Well, yeah, so we, Maui is a, is a unique place. We're not unusual for being entrepreneurs slash farmers who do other stuff. So my background is as a registered clinical dietitian. I've worked in healthcare and clinics and in uh, our hospital here for over a decade. Um, so the tea and health connection uh, was always something that I was very passionate about. And Tea being something that um, is not only healthy for your body, but healthy for your overall mental well-being was something that I was always attracted to. Um, my husband, Alex, has a um, he has an academic background in uh, sustainable agriculture, and he also currently works in renewable energy, um, has worked with the county of Maui, has worked for other private entities um, within Hawaii and beyond worked for the university. So the, the interest in um, ecology, sustainability, human health, other than just going to Camellia Sinensis, the cafe in Montreal, this was, these are some of the drivers for why we got into tea specifically. Um, so we, we have been busy uh, not only working to move our farm forward slowly, but, um, but seeing how our own work as um, non-tea professionals integrates with our, our, our day jobs, if you will. Um, we, <laughs> we travel when we can. Uh, Pre-COVID, um, we, we've gone to Las Vegas to attend tea conferences. Um, we tried to, when we can, meet with other tea growers in the Big Island of Hawaii. Um, we had the opportunity to go to Japan um, before the pandemic in 2019 uh, to go to Uji province and um, do some really great uh, sencha and matcha tasting. That's kind of a matcha nexus and outside of Kyoto there. Uh, so so the ability to tr try to taste tea just experientially um, and receive feedback from growers, from other tea professionals, have conversations with people like Jenny and, and also, you know, watch videos online. There's YouTube now. You can pretty much um, learn and, uh, and experience uh, anything through the internet. So <laughs> we were able to really enrich um, our understanding of TNT culture in person and, and digitally. And, and also just through trial and error, we would submit um, our processed Haleakala black tea to different tastings, to different business people, get their feedback, see what they did and didn't like. And especially um, when we started doing this, we had really no idea about tea grading. Um, and, you know, you learn about tea grading from the Indian perspective, from the Chinese or Japanese perspective. And, uh, and it really gives you an appreciation for how refined and, and how established 
these industries and their and their way of thinking are. And we're kind of this own renegade region. I mean, there is there there are tea associations here, but the networks are much looser, um, and the business connections are are much simpler compared to um, say say a country like Taiwan, where um, just the the level of economic involvement for tea is um, is so much greater. So um, we were able to sort of refine some of our techniques, and and we continue to. Uh, based upon feedback, especially from people who are into tea like yourselves, I mean, this is this is very valuable to have, uh, you know, conversations and um, and feedback about what our product tastes like. So, your tea, the um, okay, the one that I cannot pronounce. Can you help me pronounce the name of your award-winning tea? Like the one that's won a couple international awards from different competitions. They're not all from the same competition. How do you pronounce yeah. it? So uh, it's Haleakala. Halila. What? <laughs> yeah, that's okay. <laughs> okay, I need to like not look at the name. Go ahead, say it again. So I'll break it down into what the name actually means. So Hale means house. Hale. Aka means of thee. And La in Hawaiian means sun. So Haleakala means Hale house. Okay. Hmm, there you go. Okay. Just don't work at, look at the words. Don't look at the letters. <laughs> Haleakala, House of the Sun. It is the name of a major highway here. So um, that's the case uh, throughout many of the islands. You have, a, you have a rather long name that actually means something, um, which is the, it, it evokes the, it, it is referring to the place that it's located, the place it's bringing you to. Uh, but our Haleakala Black Tea, we won the uh, Global Tea Championships um, in, I believe it's, I have to actually look at our website now, it's 2016 or 2015 when we submitted it um, to the Global Tea Championships. And then we actually won um, the Golden Leaf Awards in Australia in 2018, uh, which was a very, that was, there was an interesting story behind there too, because uh, we were submitting our teas along with other Hawaii teas to a competition in Asia. Um, there were some issues with travel. And so we ended up getting involved in um, the Golden Leaf Awards in, in Australia. So <laughs> uh, it was kind of a, a neat uh, happenstance because we, we had the ability to have our uh, all of the Hawaiian island teas um, be tasted together and, and rated and we got really great feedback about them. So um, that's amazing. Congratulations. Yeah. Yeah, so I know that I had asked you, I think in January, I'm like, okay, I, you don't, it, it keeps saying that your tea is sold out and you're like, oh yeah, no, we have to hand do it. Um, we have to like make it by hand. And I'm like, oh, what? Like Americans making tea by hand. Like I understand picking tea by hand, but I'm like, what? Like, no, 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 what, what, we're getting ready to pick, but we've got this long waiting list and your teas are sold all over the world in like crazy high-end places. And I was like, no, no, no. Okay, challenge taken. I wanna be on that list and I'm getting some. And so are all my university members. Okay, challenge accepted. So I'm like, oh, I, and, and I remember you calling me and like, oh, but the, the tea's not going to be quite ready. We're a little behind, you know, it's just, 
my husband and I. So yeah. And I'm like, okay, yeah, that's really fine. As long as I get some, <laughs> like don't skip over me, <laughs> make sure that we get some. So like, congratulations on this black tea. How did you decide on black tea? Or, or like, what was it that, what was that journey of, you said you had taste tested it to like for different people, right? And you're getting feedback. So like, how did the journey of deciding on an orthodox tea come to this, you know, particular one? Oh, that's such a great question. And, um, and thank, and, you know, I have to say you were very great to communicate with just in ordering the tea so early on. Um, but the journey was a little bit of trial and error and a little bit of, um, knowing about what kind of varietal we were, we were getting without really, I guess, without really uh, knowing in traditional tea culture that most things are based upon clones or cuttings where every plant is genetically identical. We were sourcing seedlings because we had the opportunity to through a USDA grant. Um, these seedlings we were told had origins in Darjeeling. And so we, we like Darjeeling as a tea to drink. We like drinking black tea. And we figured, well, it would make sense if these plants, even though with all Camellia sinensis, you can essentially process green, white, black, oolong from the, the peco that you harvest. Um, if this plant is suited to make black tea, then, you know, maybe we can explore being one of the black tea producers uh, in the state. There are several tea farms uh, and gardens located on the big island of Hawaii. Uh, there are some really great uh, green teas coming out of there, some great white teas coming out of there, especially because there's such an emphasis on the ecology and the sustainability of how they're growing in a native forest. But um, we thought that black tea was unique enough and attractive enough so we really wanted to see where we could take it. We were a little intimidated by oolong. <laughs> so that made us say, mm, maybe maybe we don't want to go that route quite yet. Because Taiwan, you know, there's an, and even uh, other parts of the world, there's some major competition out there. Um, and we really started just the two of us by hand. So it was thinking about, well, we can try a green tea by hand, see what kind of feedback we get with that. We can try a black tea by hand. And right away, even in these like basic kitchen making tea phases, uh, we got better feedback with the black. And so we went with it. So, so what varietal is this? Is this one that the varietal of the Camilla Sinensis would be like from Darjeeling? Is that what you're yeah. saying? So oh, okay. It's, it's so interesting because these plants are, are they're, if you were to, I guess, genetically compare them, they wouldn't be the same as a garden in Darjeeling because they're from seed. So the, the neat thing about seedlings um, is that they have, you know, this genetic diversity that maybe has aspects of their parent plants, but they're not just seedlings from clones. These plants are seedlings from seedlings from seedlings of clones. They're actually very unique to Hawaii in that they have been propagated and have just gone through their own natural breeding on the Big Island of Hawaii for several generations. Um, and then by the time they come here to Maui, you know, they, um, there may be some plants that they almost look like uh, a Japanese varietal because they've got very tiny, fine, um, needle-like peco 
pointier leaves. And then you've got some plants where you could almost swear it was an Asamica varietal because the leaves are huge mm-hmm. um, and the pecco is much bigger. So um, we, we also like calling them Haleakala black tea because they're in some ways very unique to this place. Um, seedlings in traditional, I guess in the traditional tea world are very unattractive because you don't have uniform flushing in the harvest season. You have this genetic diversity, both in the shape of the plant and potentially even taste. But from a sustainable agriculture perspective, um, you have a very deep tap root. You've got plants where you can really see if there's a nasty pest or a fungus or something, who lives and who doesn't thrive. Um, so all of our plants that are still in the ground and we're being harvested today, they're, they're survivors and they're making it for a reason. For us, that's very attractive because in Hawaii, um, because we're so isolated, a lot of the natural plants that, are, that have been here and developed here, they're very susceptible to uh, the outside world, to outside pests, bacteria, fungi. Um, and even though tea isn't a native species, it also is susceptible to things too. Mm-hmm. But I have plants that show resiliency that are um, drought uh, resistant or drought tolerant to a certain extent because water is a big issue in our location. Um, it's a really great thing and allows us just to have plants which we feel we can continue to um, harvest from and, um, and, and, uh, and will continue to thrive for hopefully many years into the future. So how can people find out more about you? Great. So uh, we have <laughs> uh, we have a great website that we had redone this past winter. It's uh, MauiTFarm.com, uh, and our Instagram is at MauiTFarm. So currently, I share a lot of updates on our Instagram and Facebook pages. Um, those are my main social outreach uh, uh, vehicles on the internet at this time, and uh, by email as well. So. I'm Andrea. You can email me at Andrea at MauiTFarm.com uh, or Alex, my husband and partner in crime, Alex at MauiTFarm.com. And soon we will have uh, the ability to book tours. And- yes, yes. Share that with us. Tell us about that. Like, I I so want to travel. Um, my husband and I, we had our honeymoon in Kona and we tried to visit tea farms there but mm-hmm. they weren't open. It was just the coffee plantations that were open. So we went there and like, oh, maybe we should start a tea farm in Hawaii. Then we have a reason to be in Hawaii. Yeah. And then I, and then he's like, wait, so she's going to have tea farms uh, like tours soon? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, oh, we need to book one. <laughs> so tell us about that. Yeah. So this was uh, our, our throughout, um, I think when I mentioned we had a period where COVID hit and then we had a really big hit to how we were selling tea to other tourism venues and to visitors here, um, we had the opportunity to take over an existing farm um, who had a lease on land that has existing tea plants and mamaki plants, as well as lavender, citrus, apples, peaches, um, all kinds of really cool plants. So this is going to be our new Maui Tea Farm facing visitor site. Um, we hope actually with the varietals we have up there, um, we actually have Yutaka Midori, Yabupita, which are Japanese varietals well-suited for green tea. Um, we're really excited to potentially develop uh, other recipes down the road. 
and um, and certainly welcome visitors for tours, tastings, events. Um, it's just in this period where we can sort of see the light at the end of the tunnel after COVID. We're really excited just to see, you know, how can we bring both the community and visitors together in experiencing, you know, for many people, a new crop on this island. Um, but then sharing with people who love to travel, who love tea, um, and who love like kind of a non, you know, traditional Hawaii experience. We all love the beach, don't get me wrong, but um, agriculture up in the mountains is pretty cool too, so. For sure, for sure. Do you know when you're starting that about? Are hoping, hoping to start? Yeah, so I, I, I will take small group tours here and there for people who message me on Instagram. But uh, right now we're looking sometime in the midsummer timeframe. So July, August. How hot is it then? What's that? How hot is it then? Well, you know, it, it, it is in this 80 degree range, um, which feels hot for this region. But uh you know, it, there's only like really, a, I guess at, to give it in, in perspective, this time of year or a couple of months ago, it could be in the 50s and 60s in the morning. Um, in July, maybe it'll be more like in the, the 60s and 70s and the middle of the day in the 70s and 80s. Um, so it's actually a really nice temperature. Oh, it yeah. It might be drier. <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's not that hot. It's, in Hawaii, like in many parts of the world, there's this wet season and a dry season. Um, more and more, it feels like the dry season, which might start sometime in midsummer through, now it seems like it's lasting through the end of the year, New Year's and even into January. Um, we get very little rainfall in some of the drier parts of the island. Um, there are risks of fires, um, mainly brought on by like, you know, accidental campfire, cigarette butts, that kind of stuff, sometimes arson but um, also high wind events that will cause fires to spread. So you have this period of extreme drought in some parts of the island. Um, and then when we do have a rainy season or a period of nice rich rainfall, it feels like sometimes it's getting a little shorter or in some regions that might be inadequate. Um, in Hawaii, there are so many different microclimates. You could drive 20 miles in another direction and be in a rainforest. So, um, it's really amazing just how drastic and different uh, the lushness, the types of plants, the temperature it can be sometimes. Do I need volunteer labor? I oh, mean, I'm, I'm not very good at rolling tea leaves by hand. Maybe you could teach me, but I'll help pick. I'm pretty good at picking things. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah. uh, we would, uh, hey, if anyone ever wants to come help pick tea or weed weeding is always something I, I think I've thrown that out there to so many people and then they never talk to me again so <laughs> did you say weeding yeah oh I'm really good at weeding too my mom was a gardener and we grew up selling at the farmer's market and my mom actually ended up getting lung cancer from secondhand smoke and so one summer she couldn't sell at the farmer's market but her passion is gardening and so I came back from Colorado in midsummer and she had started her garden, but then she had, you know, treatment and, and uh, surgery, you know, after she had started her garden. So she, her favorite thing, actually, maybe I should get my mom to come to Hawaii. She's a weedaholic. She loves weeding her, her, it's like her yoga, her meditation is weeding. And so that summer when she was sick, I literally would weed a whole wheelbarrow or two of weeds a day. 
just like going oh, at it like crazy because I'm over. You guys are welcome. Yeah. So, yeah. We'll give you all the, all the free tea you want. I take that back. We have one, we have one great volunteer. She's a medical student. Her name's Tori. So I'm going to forward this to her because I give her a shout out. She, she actually really likes weeding and she's a sweetheart and a super smart young woman. So, um, she's, she's one that didn't run away. So I really appreciate her and her enthusiasm. Uh, we would love to have experiences where um, as as the new site opens up um, and as we have more permanent staff in place to welcome um, people who want to come and and volunteer or have um, have have days where they take tea workshops. Um, that's one thing we did when we first got started growing tea is we took uh, tea workshops with the University of Hawaii's College of Tropical Agriculture. They had <laughs> this really great T101 workshop. I don't know how often they run it anymore, um, but, and, and maybe now during COVID they're, it's post, it's suspended, but um, it was really fun. You, you kind of go through the super speedy process of making a green tea in like six hours. And it's a really neat experience. It, it's meant for farmers, but I feel like for anyone who's just really into agriculture or tea, um, it would be a super cool uh, experience and hands-on thing to do. Well, thank you so much, Andrea, for coming on as a guest, as a very unique guest of another U.S.-grown tea company and representing Hawaii. We really appreciate that, especially Maui, because I have not been to Maui yet. So any of you who are interested in learning more about Maui Tea Farms, definitely look at the show notes, the links that are provided, and check out their website. And like she had mentioned, she actually just has two tea companies, kind of. One that's for Pono and one that's for Maui Tea Farms. But you can find her online on Instagram. I've been watching all of her stories and her posts on there. It's great following the journey of a tea farmer. For all of you tea heads out there, like seeing how the teas change throughout the season and what's current, especially something you can see in the stories because that's what's happening right then and there. And then you notice the different seasons, how the lushness changes, the sheen changes, even the humidity or the mist or the lack of humidity and how that affects the tea growing and how that tea is going to taste. So there's so much to learn about tea, but thank you for enlightening us about growing tea in Maui and we're so glad that you're here and we want people to check out your their opportunity for essentially um, tea tours and mm -hmm. and what they could learn from you and your husband both for um, for tea and also about the environments and also you know health and wellness and and that's going to be just an added bonus I think of just being able to be around you and and to glean some of that knowledge and life experience from you so thank you so much thank, thank you it, this is really a pleasure and um, I have to say you know Maui no Ka'oi it means Maui is the best uh, it's it's such a beautiful place here in Hawaii um, we're really glad that we're sharing your, our tea with you and uh, and thank you for your kindness and welcoming me By the way, are you interested in taking your tea experience to the next level and having fun? Well, join our free mini course to learn more about tea's benefits, how to taste tea like a professional, and so much more. It is called The Five Days of Tea, and it's happening for free at the end of this month. Go to sippingstreams.com to sign up today.